mensen, het is Skulk Beside. Nou, en welkom to another episode of Your Mom with Skulk, the podcast where I chat to some of your favorite people as well as their favorite people, their mothers. I would fucking hope. Mensen, today I sit down with another legend of South African comedy. This guy, when I say legend, mensen, I've opened for him. I unsolicited messaged him on Facebook when I was a student. Please, 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 can I open for you? I interviewed him for my honest thesis, which I wrote about stand-up. Means a legend of South African comedy. I tried to find one of his jokes to play as an intro to this episode, but for once, YouTube came up empty, which just goes to show how long this guy has been around before the fucking internet, even. He's the only white guy that I know who can speak an African language properly means he's the Johnny Clegg of comedy he's performed all over the world with all the big names in comedy but today we hear his story from Tani Jenny the mother of none other than Nick Rebenevitz A legend in the comedy industry, a person I've known my whole comedy life, Nick Rubinovitz. Hello, Nick, and his lovely mom, of course, Tani Jenny. Hello, Skalki. <laughs> I have the fear of God in me after calling, <laughs> after calling Tani Judy, Rob's mom, Tani Debbie the whole time. So, Tani Jenny. A rose by any other name is just as sweet. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I thought of that line when I <laughs> called her the wrong name three times. Skalk, I, I have two Berghies who live in the churchyard across the road. Yes. And I used to have a dog called Tara. Tara. And they thought my dog's name was Clara. So they call me Clara. <laughs> and I try and get her to call me Jenny, but she can't stop calling me Clara. <laughs> But a rose by any, any other name, name is, is just, just as sweet. sweet. Can we still use it. the term berry? Oh, I've actually wondered about it. I don't know. I still, I still say it. Yeah, but I've, I've heard some people say. Alternate, alternately accommodated. What is that? I made that up just now. Yeah. <laughs> just say that again. Alternately accommodated. I love that. What is that like? They live in the churchyard. They they make a little nest somewhere. Oh, alternatively accommodated. I thought that was the word you had for people who are very politically correct. I just made it up. It just it just <laughs> that is the politically correct word for Berghi. Yeah. Yeah. Alternately accommodated. Yes. Churchyard well, yeah, dwellers. Just churchyard dwellers. <laughs> Normally you'd use that for like maybe like a Jehovah's Witness or something, but the churchyard dwellers. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, like Berghi, because it comes from like they used to live in the mountains. They, exactly. Most people in Cape Town used to yeah. live in the mountains. I guess now they're like, well, technically they're living in a churchyard, so it's not cool to call them a Berghi anymore. Kerkis. Kerkis. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you earn the big bucks. Nick? I'm not supposed to be just, talking much. Just just because of that, just because of that comment. I don't yeah. want to steal my mother's thunder. Yes, it's of course. A whole, it's a whole new kind of realm of, of comedy now we have yeah. going. But I think Berghies were here when the Dutch settled the Cape. They were people who lived on the mountain. It wasn't because they were homeless. Yeah. Oh, that's where the term comes that's from. That's where the term comes from. So Jan van Riebeek actually was like, hey, daar ben in Berghi. Yeah, exactly. I think it was a little bit more racially charged than Berghi back then. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. 
Well, I think that that's it's. But it, it's I, I actually agree with you, Tani Jenny. I term. think yeah, it, it, it probably comes. Everything comes from somewhere. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So as you know, Tani Jenny, this podcast is actually about you. Or, I mean, you the one speaking. We actually prefer the guest to speak when spoken to. So, Kerki was brilliant and I will forgive you for that. Uh, you did look in, directly inter- at me. Interruption. I thought it was my cue. Nick, but you took the cue and you executed it with a punchline. So, well done. And that... And now shut up. That just uh, is another, what do you call it? Um, uh, proof. Proof of like why you can actually do this for a living. So, Tani, Jenny, tell me, where, where did you guys grow up here in Cape Town? I grew up in Cape Town. Okay. Okay, man. So, so Nick grew up in Cape Town, but he comes from a very long and complicated line of Jewish de- descent. Descent. <laughs> I'm sorry, I read that wrong. I had to summarize here because when I asked Tani Jenny where her family was from, she basically listed every country on earth apart from like those teeny tiny islands in the ocean. You know those ones where the indigenous people who have always lived there are still living there, means, and not even the British have discovered it yet. You know those places that are so remote. So Nick's ancestors were expelled from all corners of the globe until finally finding refuge in Cape Town, where Nick grew up and went to school. And it was one day after school that Tani Jenny will never forget. And there's one awful incident that happened that I I still feel sick to my core about we'd gone to have he had a function an evening function at school you must have been in grade eight or nine and we were having dinner with friends up the road and we were going to fetch him from school and then take him back to the friend's house and three quarters of the way through the dinner I realized I'd completely forgotten to fetch him and he was waiting by there himself. were no mobile phones there was no way of communicating with any supervising teacher or anything. And I got to the school and there he was outside locked the locked <laughs> outside the locked gate, curled up in the grass. Like a berry. Fast asleep. Hashtag Asleep. Just uh, asleep in asleep. the grass. Hashtag wannabe a berry. <laughs> just like We're gonna get cancelled for this. Just like an adder. There, like a a night adder, <laughs> like a night adder. And I, I, I still feel that I must have traumatized him for the rest of his life. Oh, no I was, I was left outside of school. Okay, look, I it was never night, and I never slept there. But um, how long do you think he slept there before you found him? Must have been two hours at least. <laughs> <laughs> but we were happy campers. We were very happy campers. And because, you guys went to camp often? Oh, a lot, a lot, a lot. And because uh, what's interesting for me, Nick, is that you didn't start walking home. Were you scared lying there? Yeah, look, it was pitch dark at night. Yeah. It was... Shame means you can't see that she's holding his hand. She still feels bad. I'd been waiting for four... I think I waited for three or four hours. Maybe longer. It's okay. Can I put this in the next show? Did you forget about it? (laughs) It's brilliant. (laughs) 
Do you ask? Uh, th- does he ask your permission to before no, he tells no. that this was probably the first and only time where he's actually asked you? Yeah. Can he put that in the show? Because the last time he talked about my armed home invasion, which was very painful <laughs> to my, my to my friends, they were very shocked and asked. In fact, one of them, who's a psychologist, has said, "Did did he ask your permission to to talk about that?" How do you, uh, Tani Jenny, deal with that? Is there a lot of stuff that Nick has said about you in the shows or just in general that has upset you that you feel you should have asked your permission? And how do you deal with that? What is your relationship? What are the conversations you guys have with that? Because I speak about my mom a lot as well, but it's never been, it's more about her character. Like I'll say like, she does this or she says that or whatever. I think once she was upset because I, but I kind of did uh, dramatize it a bit where I said she did like, she said like a racist thing and then she was upset because she didn't want people to think that she actually is racist. And that part was sort of, you know, I made it up to an extent or didn't, you know, it was very dramatized, like I said, but. Did you come to the wedding? She came to okay, the then it's fine. <laughs> then she forgave me. <laughs> so, but what, how, do you, how does so that work? So Skulk, uh, it, it, it hurts me. Um, there was also another show where he talked about my relationship with his dad before we got married, which was very private and very intimate and was... Sorry, I'm laughing, but no, Nick, no, no. Nick is sitting behind you just with this like naughty schoolboy smile, and, he and he's wearing like a a hat that makes him look like a like a like a schoolboy. Oh, like no, it's what's, like a, what a was school that? Pet. No, there was a wonderful cartoon, an English cartoon. Yes, he looks very Joe, well, mischievous, flow, and um, he's barefoot on, with his feet on the couch. You can see he's at his mom's yeah, house, wearing matching. Uh, my pants match the couch as well. Like this uh, tracksuit pants. Well, there's a pants. good influence, I would say. I must have had some impact on him. But but so anyway. Okay, so, so the, then then I then 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 I actually have to say to myself, well, what has he said about other people? <laughs> uh, so you almost feel lucky in comparison to like Jacob Zuma. Oh uh, no 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 no! In comparison to his mother-in-law, say. Oh, um, but she doesn't come up for as much ragging as I do. Okay, um, but it is hurtful because it's not been discussed with me beforehand, and I've not been asked permission to to disclose those kind of personal intimate details. So I have to say that's been very hurtful. I think with comedians in general, because I do the same. I have this new joke in my show that where I talk about a friend told me this crazy sexual experience that he had with a a girl one day and I just put it in the show and I thought there is actually a good chance he doesn't come to my shows but that the girl could end up in a show and see the joke and I mean it's a, a, a type of story where she will know it's about it it's a very unique story and <clears throat> then obviously she will message him or call him and say, why are you telling this to people? And now he's telling it on stage, even though I don't mention names and whatever. And when I told Mika, who's now my wife, um, that I'm telling like the story of my friend, she said, you have to tell him, you have to tell him. And I said, I 
can't because I can't take the risk of him saying, please don't tell it. Because it's such a good piece it, of material. It, it was just too good. It, the material is too good. Yeah. I said, I can't, I, I don't want to take the risk of him potentially saying, please don't tell that. Because if I then ask, then he says, no, I have to honor that. Yes. And I think often comedians have this thing where it's like, we'd rather do the material, hope for the best and ask for forgiveness <laughs> rather than permission. Do you forgive, do you forgive me? Uh, I'll tell you in a few months okay. time. <laughs> Is this in the new show that he's done the thing about you and your I husband? I made this churchyard uh, famous, come on. Was it in the new show yeah. now, the, the joke about you and your, yeah. your husband? No, the, the, has the story Which about, was that one? Was it the one about his seborrheic dermatitis? It was that plus also uh, us going to to camp on... Liplek. Ritflay. Ritby. Ritby. That's where um, it was conceived. <laughs> I think on I the Langabon <laughs> Lagoon, sorry. <clears throat> but, on the Langabon Lagoon, that sounds even funny. <laughs> No, but that was very hurtful to me because he hadn't he hadn't disclosed it. He hadn't asked my permission. Yeah. Um, Wait yeah. to tell people where I was conceived or how I was conceived. No, just that you. Everyone knows how you. Yeah, it was all about m my and Heim's relationship. Yes. Um, which is a very private thing. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it's over and done with. Do you, do you feel? Do you feel that um, that's just like sort of comes with the territory if your son becomes a comedian, or not necessarily? Not necessarily, Skulk. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure, really, um, because in the beginning there was no personal information when mm. he first started out as a comedian, when he was doing his cringe material days. <laughs> Um, what is the what is the cringe material days? What does that mean? Cringe material days were the days of the donkeys sniffing <laughs> dacha smoke, and and the goat. Oh, and he also did a couple of drag impressions. Uh, what is drag? Well, pretending to be a drag he, queen. He was actually he. So, Haim, Nick's dad had a yes. an identical twin <laughs> who lived in Kenya. And his daughter, Sorry, I'm when, Nick, so much. when Nick dressed up in drag, he was the absolute spitting image of his female cousin in Nairobi. <laughs> what did you do? It was before he had a beard and a moustache. So, okay, because <clears throat> I, I just have to say this. I only started comedy in 2011. By that stage, Nick had been around, been, for, a been, been around for a while. The thing is, when I started comedy, you would hear these legendary stories of guys like Nick, guys like Riyad, Alan, you know. Um, and I always felt a bit, uh, even though it was cool for me to be like the young guy on the scene, I always felt a bit like I missed certain things. I mean, like I always reference, I mean, he has no problem. It's a very public story, but like. John Flissmas doing drugs backstage, you know, like all those kinds of like stories. And the one legend story of Nick is that he w walked around Grahamstown Festival with a goat. with a goat. Yes. I'm Stoffy Love. You can see he knows his name. And uh, he's staying with us on a farm just outside Grahamstown. You can hear, by the way, he laughs that he's in touch with his inner goat. And the South Africans, you, you know, it's very important. Yes. We should not be afraid to say what you want to say, <laughs> like a goat. 
cut on a, a real life on goat. a rope. Yes. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> flying for his show. And there was just this goat with him. And, life, and, then he, and a you, gorgeous goat. It was a gorgeous goat. Yes. And then he took the goat on the stage yes, with him. Yes. And, and what did the goat do on stage? Pissed on the stage. Pissed on the stage. And you know what just stage that, that was? That was the only time I took it. Well, oh, you only took it on stage once? Yeah, and then it peed all over the... <laughs> The drill hole in Gramps. And you know what a stench that is. Goat pee is. But I lived with the goat for a week as well in a one room. But you told me the story once. What remind me? Who gave you the goat? Did it was a local it farmer. As a joke uh, or something? No, I asked. No. You asked him? Yeah, because the show was called One Man, One Goat. Why? One Man, One I, Goat. I had an obsession with goats. That So we thought Revenge of the Goat, Return of the Goat, The Goat Father, The Father, The Son, The Holy Goat. Escape goat was the closer version. But finally, um, we settled with one man, one goat. I don't know. Where do you think it came from? It came from Psychologically, what, what would be your... A goat. What would be your, your analysis of that? Your sexual power. Jesus. <laughs> you know the goat, the half goat, half pan. man, Pan. The, that's where Greek, pansexual comes Greek from. Greek mythology. We weren't allowed to look at Greek mythology when we were in school. <laughs> it was kept far from us. So I don't know. The, I've, school, seen, I've seen sort of pictures. The Waldorf School grew up on, myth grew up on, on mythology. It was <clears throat> a very important part of their education. So what did the half man of God do? Is he a sex god or what? Yes. Very okay. powerful, potent uh, symbol. Of sex? Of just general potency and power. Okay. Sex is just one aspect of it. Amazing. So you you added an obsession with goats. You asked the farmer in Grahamstown, I'm assuming. Or the, yeah, you know, area. actually Prince where Albert. Uh, Grahamstown, where the goat thing actually came from was Sangoma. Um, I had friends who were Sangomas and you have to dream a goat and then go and find the goat. And I think I put a story in the show with the goat. Yes, you did. So, so we were staying on a farm just outside Grahamstown for the festival with a guy, a pig farmer, who had converted, I think it was about 10 pigsties into rooms on an old railway siding. Okay. And so he said, I know someone with a goat, and we went and got that goat. And then she's like, well, the goat is very tame. You have to keep it inside at night or it's, it will bleat. And it bleated the entire first night. And the next day was a front page headline, goat keeps actors awake at night because my neighbors complained. And so as a result, I slept in the room with the goat for the whole festival. And I think Debbie came to visit you and said, it's me or the goat. <laughs> yeah. Which is now for people that know your, your what well, she, she wasn't your wife then. She, She's still your girlfriend. We might have been married at that point. No, you weren't married. Maybe not. No, you were living together. So did you we choose? We were living in sin, in this house. And you chose the goat? Um, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think I chose Debbie. I thought that it was Clive Van Hasselt who'd given you the goat, lent you the goats. Okay, but enough about goats, mean. So we went down a bit of a... <laughs> a rabbit hole or like a goat track or something there for a minute. Anyway, Mensa, if you've listened to any of the other episodes of the podcast, you'll know that I always ask the moms what they don't like about their son or daughter. And without fail, every single time the moms have said, no, no, I love everything. I love everything they've done. Every song, every rap, every movie, every fucking nursery school painting, every cock thing they've posted on Instagram, everything. 
And then I asked Danny Jenny if, like all the other moms, she also loves all of Nick's work. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and I have to tell you that I am not a fan of stand-up comedy. And are you a fan of Nick's stand-up comedy? I appreciate... <laughs> oh, this is brilliant. I appreciate... So, um, I am a Jewish mother. Yes. Uh, so we exaggerate everything okay. about our children and grandchildren. Um, Nick had a, has um, a very, had at school a very whimsical mind. He wrote beautifully. Not the handwriting, that was beautiful too. The essay, the stories. The essays, and... the, the thinking, the, everything was, was very unusual and, mm. and I loved it. I, I related to it. Um, I couldn't relate to the, the cringe material. Um, I don't like most stand-up comedy. I don't find it funny. Yes. Um, his godfather, Percy Seif, whom you may have heard of, was a renowned actor, television actor, radio presenter, um, writer, uh, said to Nick one day, you do not need to get cheap laughs from scatological material. I've, 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 I've received that feedback a lot in my career. And um, I always just say, I don't think that laugh is cheap, cheaper than the rest of the laughs. <laughs> they all feel equally as expensive to me. I, yeah, I just don't get, get why, what kind of audience will think that saying fuck <laughs> 5,000 times in a row is terrible. But that is funny. the Jewish that's, mother exaggeration because I've been to a lot of Nick shows and he doesn't say it 5,000 times, 4,500 at the most. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah. So I, I appreciate the, the wit. I appreciate the, um, the intelligence of the material. Mm, mm. Um, sometimes it's, um, as I say, sometimes it's painful for me. Um, a few times it's been painful for me, but um, I think that the transition for him, as far as my perception is concerned, from the cringe material to where he brings himself into, into being on stage yeah. Can I ask you, so wasn't Nick's uh, journey into stand-up similar to your husband's? Because didn't Nick also, I know he studied at He did UCT, a business science course, yeah. Business science. Yeah. So similar to your husband going from accountant, I mean, except that your husband did it for way longer than yeah. Nick actually did business yeah. science. But did Nick straight after university sort of, did he ever work? Did he, con no, well, did what, he start a career what, in business? What actually happened was when he graduated, we were friendly with Nick and Liz Ellenbogen. Oh, yes, yeah. Theatre for Africa. Yes. And Nick had been uh, given a project by a branch of United Nations to um, create a, a… Not this Nick, my boss Nick. …a, a, th a theatrical piece yeah. for Southern Africa, so from… Nairobi to Cape Town and Vintuk to Maputo. And he asked this Nick if he would be a um, production manager. Okay. And it would it meant traveling all around those those countries of Southern Africa. And Haim had traveled 
at three journeys from North to South, North Africa to South Africa, West Africa to East Africa. He had documented those journeys on foot, hitchhiking, going on riverboats, extraordinary stories of people that he met along the way. And it was part of Nick's growing up. These, these were albums that were always around and talked about and people loved looking at them because it was Africa in the days before there was violent conflict um, over independence. Um, and so this for him was kind of tracing his father's footsteps. And we had family in Kenya, so that was lovely. The one you impersonated of... in your shows. The drag, Accidentally. The, the, drag shows. <laughs> the cousin, yes. So when he got back from that, he said, he came to us and he said, I really think this is a very meaningful way of transforming thinking and being in the world and I really want to pursue that. And he joined a little company in Johannesburg called So Much To Do and they did a very famous play, a manners play. Um, it was called School, for, School Scandal. for Scandal. That I think was the lowest School point. School for Scandal was definitely the <laughs> was lowest point. The lowest point in his <laughs> career. I mean he stood It was also there, the first point. <laughs> rigid as a plank and just reciting these words. I go to all his shows and sometimes I go four or five times to one show. And every time you cringe even no, harder. No, 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 I don't cringe. No, I don't cringe. No, I, I don't mean to give that impression. No, I'm joking. I just love that yeah. you said that because you are... The, the first mother's been, you know, I'm not saying the others were lying, but yeah, you've no, been no, no. honest because not everything you do in your career, the thing is even a doctor will start off having like shitty, people. shitty operations and killing people and like uh, like attaching a, a arm and it's like, oh, there was supposed to be a leg and now you're like walking on a hand, you know, like whatever. Like I'm sure people, hey, hi, people make mistakes. So, hi, and, and obviously his first pots were would, maybe would, cuck. Would cuck. The whole kiln sometimes would be cuck. Um, so I'm saying, but you, you can at least, you know, my mom will also, because I always use in this podcast, I haven't interviewed my own mom, but I always go back to her as an example that she is not, she is my biggest fan, but she is the first one to tell me when she, sometimes she even, she's, she says, listen, I get it. You did this ad because it paid well. I would have done the same. Absolutely. Take the money and run. But it was not you a good need ad. The, and you it was need very, the bread and butter. And it was very bad. And, and I'm not proud of that ad for you. You know, it's like not, I say ad now, but all, all like sometimes I tell about like a, a horrible corporate and like Nick actually has one of the funniest corporate stories I've ever heard in my life and I'm gonna ask you to tell it or I will tell it and you can correct me but um you know and I tell her like that was it was horrible I died on my ass and no one was listening to me and they didn't want to listen to me and they weren't even there to listen to comedy they were there to sape mm. and whatever and my mom's like well how, how much did it pay and I'll tell her and she'll be like well there you go you know and I mean, yeah, but you you are 
honest about you didn't enjoy every show because it's not realistic for you to enjoy every single Especially show. Especially if you come five times to each show. So maybe that's why... Maybe I'm... she's just coming in the hope that it will get better, but then it just stays the same. <laughs> but maybe that's why he doesn't tell me when he does things. I'm the last person to know. My mom's the same. Can I just put your mind at ease? Okay. Because I also tell... I never tell her when... He never tells what, me she, anything. She... she, she that's why she follows me so religiously on social media because that's where she finds out where I am, what I'm doing. So I'm too scared to ask him because I think, oh, it's an intrusion and an invasion. And, yeah. And, and he's but it's gets a bit like angry being a dentist and telling your mom every time you. No, it's not. Huh? Isn't no, it? It's not. No, it's not. I'm doing an operation today, mom. Yeah. She's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I ask but you? You forget that I actually do care deeply. Can I ask you, Tony, Jenny, what, what is a show of Nick, one-man show that stands out for you? Is there one? Is there a specific one that you, that you think, you know, you, you really feel this show is one of his best? Skuck, it's, it's hard to say which one stands out because I, what I do experience very proudly is a wonderful progression Mm. in the material, the delivery, the reactions. And I have to tell you something, Skog, now, it's, and I'm not doing it to get mm. back at him, but they had a terrible tragedy with their dog. A terrible tragedy. Nick and... Nick and family. And that the, night... The recent dog. The Nick? lovely, beautiful Labrador. What happened? Do you mind telling about it? Yeah, I um, had taken him for a walk and forgot him in the boot of the car. You are you are lying, Nick. No. Yeah, and he no. suffocated. Are you joking? It was a very hot day and yeah. He fell into a deep sleep and he might even have been exhausted and... They don't experience pain apparently, but the, that's what happened there. And I had that afternoon, and I had never in my life heard Nick expressing such deeply painful grief that I got the most terrible fright. I, it, was, it was beyond comprehension. And that night he had to perform at the uh, yeah. Alma Cafe, and it was a full house. Yeah. And it was flawless. It was Nick at his professional best. Nobody there knew. Were you there that night? Yeah. Mm. Until the very end. Did you tell the story yeah. at the end? I, d I told them at the end, yeah. But there were two nights. Maybe you didn't come to that No, night, I didn't come to I that one. Um, so... Somebody actually messaged me a, like a month ago before my last show to say, we saw you at the Alma Cafe the night your dog died. We're not sure whether to come to this next show because... Why? Because when, because you, it felt like you wanted to kill yourself and then you told us and then we wanted to kill ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> So, so they were like, please don't, please don't do the show if someone close yeah. to you dies that day because we don't want to see that one. In fact, your ex-girlfriend was at that. She was there that night. At the Alma Cafe? Yeah. 
She must have cried like a baby. She, she's a big dog lover. Yeah. I actually spoke about it at the end because I realized it was one of those nights when people say, you know that question, yeah, you're a comedian. But also, but also the, the, the Alma Cafe, just for those who don't know, it's an it's a intimate, intimate. It's a intimate. intimate gig. It's 40 people. Yeah. So if, if there's ever a gig to kind of yeah. open up a bit and not be experimental, but like share with yes. the audience, it would be that venue. Because be it's, it's very yeah. intimate. It's not the backs of theater, 600 people. Um, But okay, yeah. So you t- you told them what happened. Well, I said it at the end because we often get asked, oh, you're a comedian, like, why, how do you deal with off days when you don't yes. feel like it? And, yes, yes. And there's never really a day like that. There are days when you're like, eh, I don't feel like, eh. Well, yeah, there's days But that days was a day. Yeah, that was a day. I, I once cancelled a gig. but It was a club gig. It was before I was doing one-man shows, but a friend of mine died quite tragically. And yeah, I think I messaged the guy and I just said, I'm going to burst out crying on stage. I can't do it, you know. And Joe Parker said, I'm never booking you again. <laughs> but, but I mean, there was a, a club gig, but I don't know if it, if it was a one-man show. And it's I often ask myself that situation and I just actually pray to God that the day my mom dies, my dad dies, like, I mean, that day is going to come one day. I just pray that, it will be over Christmas that I don't have a gig that night. I cancelled when my granny died. I cancelled the that show that night. And was it a big show? It was. Yeah, it was Grand West. It wasn't. No, it was a lineup. Hey, so but you were in Bali when Granny died. Okay, maybe it was when I got back six months later. I don't know. So you just didn't feel like it, and you said <laughs> my granny died. You used it. In That's a good post. <laughs> It wasn't you that just, nice. You just remember that you just yeah, told the guy. He was like, why are you cancelling? And you were binging Stranger Things. Yeah. But you were like, uh, my granny died. I was probably binging 24 <laughs> at the time. And But um, the night our son was born. Because that's also interesting. Like the yeah, night, your, hap- the night your first child is born. Because that's a happy thing. It's not something that it, you would have to grieve. It was a happy thing. But it was also nerve-wracking because... Because it was three wise men. There were two other comedians and me. Oh, yeah. And Rene Kramer was like, the show, what's deep with that? The show must go on. What's- Who's your favorite comedian between Nick, Mark Lottering, and Riyad Musa? Because I know it's not Nick. I can't say Nick. I, it, 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 because. Because no, then you're just going to be like all the other moms on I'm the gonna, podcast. But, and, and. I, I need you to know this, that I absolutely adored Nick's father. He was the most beautiful, wise, intelligent, kind, handsome, glorious human being. And Nick is a product of that. Mm. And he is my most precious possession. Is, Not he, that is he a lot like your husband no he's very different oh okay he's his his um karma is very different if i can use that word very very different but he is my my thread to that glorious human being and so i love him with every fiber of my body sometimes he drives me mad um 
and vice versa, I'm sure. Um, so I, I have to put that aside. I have to take Nick out of that equation. Mm. I love Mark and I love Riyadh. And I can't say that there's one or either of them that's better for <laughs> no, me. I know, I've put you on the spot. Um, it, and that's okay. Um, but I'll never forget being at Ob's Cafe and Nick was performing and Riyadh was, I think Riyadh was your, what do you call it when you have the person who comes before you? Opening act. Opening act. And his mum was sitting at the same table as us and the two of us were going, oh my God, why are they doing this? He's a doctor. And I'm saying, and he's a business scientist. This is in the cringe material days. <laughs> How he's old a, were they then? In their 20s? Like yeah, early 20s? Yeah. I must have been at like the armchair theatre or something. Um, I love Rob Van Feren. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I really, really, that's... His comedy, I don't know what it, why it resonates so much for me, but it resonates hugely, except I've been fatigued by this Instagram posting that he's been doing. I can't watch another one because there's no variation in the voice or the material. And I think Continuity. It's, it's no. Consistency. No. That's no. what they tell you with social media. Got to be consistent. We actually have a joke with uh, myself and Rob because every time my mother sees something of his. It's magnificent. He was, how was the show? Rob, how was the show Rob and I did? Rob was magnificent. (laughs) But listen, I love that so much because, and I've also told this to death on the podcast, but my mom, I will, especially when I do lineup shows. What does that mean? Like big lineup shows, like Kings and Queens. Oh, loads of people in the the performance. Yes. Yeah. She will always say like, oh, Mpo Pops was, oh, he's a master of his craft, whatever. And, oh, that jo- she will quote all of Dylan Willie Fun's jokes. And then, you know, eventually we'll get to that point where I go, hey, what about me? What, how was my set? <laughs> yes. yeah. What is the corporate, I want to know what the corporate wanna, story is. I want to, you told me the story and it wasn't that long ago where you performed at this golf club and I, <laughs> Who is it? The guy that uh, is it? Pick and pay or shop right or checkers or was it? Um, well, there's a few options. It could be Johan Rupert. I think it was Johan Rupert. Yeah. I think it was. I remember the one that where you story. screamed. Yes. Okay. Yes, so, yes, so, yes. so Johan Rupert and who's he? So Johan Rupert, uh, like Rembrandt and what a what. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. so he at his private uh, reserve. He's got a game reserve up in. Somewhere. Yes, isn't it Leopard Creek? Leopard Creek. Okay, okay, yes. I was there the other day to, um, well, people had their wedding at the house and then afterwards the you know, the ceremony was at the house and then the reception was at the, the club, which I assume is the... That's where it was. Yeah. Where it was. Yeah. So um, Nick tells me that he's performing and the people are facing him like with obviously like any show. But Johan Rupert is sitting with his back to Nick. In the front, right in front of me. Right in front. Like Whoa, sitting sitting with that's his a statement. Sitting with his back to Nick. The whole chain smoke. The only smoker in the whole yeah, non smoking and, and he's and he's smoking and he's smoking and he's smoking. And Nick's performing and Johan Rupert like couldn't be less interested. And he's smoking and like the pe- were the people laughing? Were they interested? Or were they yeah. kind of also like a bit like man? 
No, the people were, but they're obviously all watching him. Yeah, so they're feeling uncomfortable. And he's... And you're not not addressing it because you're feeling... Well, we're only like, at this point, like maybe... Five minutes in. Yeah. So 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 Nick tells me that he's not addressing it because it's kind of like well, also awkward. This guy's like paying, you know. And then um, he eventually starts heckling with his back to you still, and yes. he, as in between puffs of the cigarette, going not funny. Stuff talk like, slower. Talk slower. Stuff like that. And was he pissed? I don't know. No, he was just being a he was cantankerous billionaire. And and but you carry on, you push through, and you do your time, right? Like a true professional. I, that that's, and that's miss, a story that you miss the part where I break the one of the most important rules: never give the mic. Oh yes, to you, your heckler. You, you give him. The, he says, "Give me the mic." Yes, and you decide. Well, okay, he's paying me. I'm gonna give him the mic. Yes. And what did he do? <laughs> then it was just more of whatever he was saying, and then I think I cut my set. By 10 minutes. 10 minutes, probably. I did try to just get off. So then, and this is the funniest part, is that Nick says he, okay, finishes the set. Thank you, you've been great. I love the man. And he walks out the door and there's the golf course. Am I right? And just runs down the Fucking, what do you call it? Into Free, the fairway. The fairway. Down, I just, I walked stage left and I just kept walking. Down the fairway up to a point where he was certain that he's out of earshot at this point of the audience. And then he just <laughs> screamed. Just yeah. into nothingness. For the remaining five minutes of the show. <laughs> into, I screamed. Just, then I remembered. Into, but that image of a comedian... Just looking into the deep, dark the abyss deep, of dark death. <laughs> of the, just into the stars. Just going, Fuck! That I will always remember. And then I remembered that he had the big five. <laughs> What's the big five? That well, there was lion and leopard. Oh, at this, where is this leopard creek? Le- leopard creek, it's there by the Kruger. They, uh, oh, I see. It's not in the Cape. No, 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 oh, no. It's, oh, up, it's an it's exclusive. Up, 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 it's by the Kruger National okay. Park. Then I yeah. think I did run. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best um, um, corporate story I've I've ever heard. And whenever I have a bad corporate, I think about. What I an think about arrogant piece of work. I he did phone to apologize the next day. Did he? Yeah. That's quite big of him. It's amazing. Him himself. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people can uh, claim that Johan Rupert personally phoned yeah. him to apologize. Well, he didn't know who he was dealing with. A screamer. Clearly. <laughs> he heard about my <laughs> fearsome, my, my matric English teacher told him, you better not mess with Jenny Rupert. <laughs> he, saw you, he saw you on the security footage and he just felt so sorry for you after that scream that he was like, well, fuck, I better I think call. it was his wife that made him. Wow. How arrogant. How <laughs> and what arrogant. did you say? That's not, no, but to phone and apologize, that doesn't No, I, I think that is redeeming. I, th- you I didn't tell redeeming. me that part of that I story. I think it's redeeming. I would, I would take my hat off. And did you, did you forgive him? Did yeah, you say? Yeah, we had a, I said, no, I'm sorry. No, you said, no, I'm sorry. I said, no, I'm sorry. He said, let me be sorry. I'm the billionaire, yeah. <laughs> I'm just a millionaire. Who am I? <laughs> I'm Mr. Potter's son. <laughs> 
Tony Jenny, thank you so much. Oh, Skulk, thank you. It's been really lovely. I will really see you at the show on Thursday. In this podcast, I'm just also inviting everyone to my show. But what I've said, what I've said is that if you come to the show, you send me a WhatsApp, you send me a voice note, and then I'll play it on the recording oh, of fabulous. what you actually thought great, of the show. Great then we can idea. have that feedback as well. Great idea. And means that Tani, Jenny and Nick did come to see my show. I saw them very briefly afterwards, but it was too quick to get a proper review. So I sent her a WhatsApp the next day. Look, she may not enjoy all of Nick's work, but here's what she said about mine. Skalky, hi. It's Jenny Rabinowitz speaking. And just to say a huge thank you for the invitation to your show. And my appreciation of your delivery, the freshness of your material, the dedication to your authenticity um, and inspiration. I look forward to many more, even though you know that I'm not crazy about stand-up comedy. And Nick's dad would have said not to be honest, but to be frank, because saying to be honest alludes to the fact that mostly we're being dishonest. So lots of love, take care, look forward to seeing you very soon. Bye. Danke, Danny. Speaking of feedback, can I say that this was a, a great experience? Thank you for creating this podcast. And in future, if we do need uh, family therapy as a mother, son, only child I feel situation, like could you please mediate? I feel like, I feel like this uh, podcast has actually caused you to go for therapy because <laughs> it has. no this of, was the therapy there was a lot of uh, feedback that your mom gave that I could see your face where you're like I didn't know that I didn't know that you thought they were cringe cringe years <laughs> no that I knew donkey donkey Scott to you donkey Scott Mean so we finally found a mom that doesn't love everything about their child. Here look at how refreshing. Sorry, Nick, but hey, at least you know it's honest. Now, I mean so we are nearing the end of the season, just a few episodes left, and we'd like to find out a bit more about you, our lovely listeners. <laughs> if there's any of you out there, please, please get in touch. Mensa, please fill out our survey. It's a very fancy word for form. Whoever does so could win. <laughs> Who writes this cock? Whoever does so, are we in medieval times? Whoever does so could win some Skulk merchandise. Means I've got t-shirts, I've got caps and cock like that. So go to www.telltale.media. So tell like I want to tell you something and tell like I want to tell you a tale. Not a tale of a dog, a T-A-T. L-E dot media forward slash survey or look for the link in the show notes I'll, it'll take you less than a minute to complete thanks we love you tata for now <laughs>